Hello, welcome to Beyond the Bench. Today we have with us Dr. Timothy Baghurst. Uh, Dr. Timothy Baghurst comes to us from FSU Coach Podcast and is currently a professor at Florida State University and their education department. First off, I just got to welcome you, Dr. Baghurst. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And uh, just uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, your education, and just, just your journey. Yeah, I often ask this question at the beginning of my, my own show and, and then yeah. wonder how long should a person take <laughs> right. to describe their journey. Right. And usually it's long and they take longer than I want. So let me be well, brief. Well, that's, that's okay. We, we like to hear the stories. Okay. Um, I'm originally from England. I, I did a oh. lot of my, my undergrad and graduate work in England before moving to the U.S., went to Texas did a master's in Texas and then Arkansas where I did my PhD. Uh, stayed in Arkansas for a few years before moving to Oklahoma State. Uh, was at Oklahoma State for seven years, developed uh, a coaching program there, uh, ran a PE program as well at OSU before moving to FSU about two years ago, two and a half years ago, and moved here specifically to start a center for coaching education and develop uh, academic programs for coaches, and then also provide resources and support for, for coaching organizations external to, to FSU. That's awesome. So let, let me just ask a little follow-up question. At the core of your coaching education and curriculum, what, you know, what, at the end of the day, what is kind of the number one, or is there a couple of things that you really focus on through that education for coaches? And what kind of support tools do you offer those coaches? Yeah. Uh, care of athlete is first yep. and foremost. And, and unfortunately, a lot of coaches, while they, they may give lip service to that, they don't right. actually exhibit it. Um, I, I will give you an example. I'm, I'm watching a Netflix show right now about a, yep. a football program, high school football program near, near Florida, near yep. Tallahassee, where, where the coach informed the players after a loss that he, he demanded a pint of blood from them the next, the next week because of their poor performance. Right. You know, that's that's lip service, right? Yeah. I care about my athletes, but I'm also willing to to do and say things that that might cause harm, yes. uh, whether it be physically or psychologically. Yeah. So care of athlete is is first and foremost. And yep. then the second one, which is important to us, is what the coaches do or what sh what coaches do should be based on best practices and research. And, and our experience is that a lot of coaches base their decision-making, their training, their practices on what they did as an athlete, what they saw right. their coaches do, um, what they've been told, thanks to Google, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right. and, and the reality is that there are ways to do it better than others. Yep. And if you don't know those ways, you're going to be less effective than yes. a coach who does know those ways. So and, those, those are two important things in our program. Yes. We spend a lot of time uh, talking about uh, the care of the athlete. We have mm -hmm. a class dedicated to it. We teach That's sports awesome. psych as well. We teach coaching ethics. We teach sociology of sport because it's, it's you know, understanding the background of your athletes and yes. the environments that they're coming through is, is crucial. Yes. So a large chunk of, of our master's program, um, which is online, um, yeah. is, is designed for that purpose. And then the rest of it is really focused on 
the research side, the, the science side of how do you be an effective coach? Yeah. So I, I love the fact that you put that care of athlete number one, because at the end of the day, those coaches have to know what those kids are dealing with outside of just their, you know, their, whatever they're coaching. So if it's out, like you said, football, that coach needs to know that kid on a personal level. So he knows what he's bringing to practice with him each and every day. And I think that's important. And that's that, you know, that relationship piece that I feel like sometimes gets lost in coaching and it becomes about, you know, the product versus the process of, of teaching kids life skills through athletics and activities. There's, there's two kind of types uh, of coaches and this is a generalization, but you sure. have, you have the transactional coach, yep. which places themselves in a, I will give you X, Y, and Z if you give me X, Y, and Z in return. Right. And, and usually those coaches are interested in the wins and yep. the trophies and <laughs> how it makes, how good it makes them. Yep. Again, all, I don't know a coach who would tell you that straight up. Right. But deep down, that yeah. is, that is their drive. Sure. And then you have the transformational coach who yes. says, how do I, how do I build an athlete? <laughs> teach life skills, uh, develop human beings. And by the way, if you do do that, often success is a byproduct of that yes. because they're willing to go, they're willing to fight for you. They're willing to yeah. train hard. They're willing to do all this because they know you care about them. Yep. So it's, it's very much a carrot and stick methodology. Sure. If the carrot worked all the time, we would all use the carrot, but the right. stick has also been shown to work, right? Sure. We can, we can gain success. We can achieve success on a court or field through fear, through punishment, through, um, th through these things, but there's another way. Yes. And, and we're definitely a proponent of the other way yes, of as course. opposed to, you know, yeah. the screaming and shouting. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I appreciate that you talk about that transactional versus transformational. Um, you know, in my, you know, athletic directorships, you know, we really have made our coaches go back and really kind of define their transformational purpose and what that looks like for them and why they do what they do, which leads us, segues us into perfectly to our next question. But what is your why? Why do you do what you do? What do you love about what you do? Yeah, somebody asked me this the other day, and, and the simple answer is I have, I have an opportunity to influence people who then influence many, many people. Yes. And if I can do something positive with, with my influence and it changes that many people, I've had a big impact. Yes. A coach is, is somebody who is revered in American yeah. society, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that word carries so much weight. Yeah. Unfortunately, that word carries a lot of respect that always isn't earned. Right. Um, you know, people can be coaches at, at, at a whim sometimes where, mm -hmm. oh, you are a great athlete, you'll be a great coach, or sure. we need a warm body and you're a parent, you'll be a right. great coach. But as soon as they, earn, they get that coach title, there is an assumption about that coach and what they can do and how they can do it. And in reality, many people who have that title lack the training and education right. to do it well. So, so my, my why is just having the, the influence on the students coming through our program, the organizations that we work with, 
where we know that we're changing, we're really changing lives. And yes. if we can, if we can have athletes come out who, who are protected, who are supported yep. from, from a coaching program because a coach came into our program and got better at what they do and changed or, or maybe improved as a transformational coach, yep. then, then that's, that's my win. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, this is just a random question, but what process does Florida have? I know in Iowa, they have to go through a coaching authorization course. What do they have to do in Florida be, to become a coach in the state of Florida right now? It's a really good question. And I don't know, I have a definitive answer. Okay. Because, because you have something in the region of 13,000, you know, junior high, high school coaches. Sure. Uh, the, I think it's safe to say the majority of them do not have formal education. Okay. The state requires some fundamental training. Sure. And, and they stipulate four classes. Okay. Uh, but most of those, most of those coaches don't go through those classes in a collegiate environment. Right. Uh, therefore it becomes a, I took a course online with X, Y, and Z. Sure. I pressed play. I went and did the dishes. Right. I came back, did the multiple guests. Can you now give me my certificate? I'm good to go. Right. And, and that unfortunately is the case for many states yes. where there is not a continuing professional development like you would see in other organizations and right. even in other sports organizations. Sure. Uh, that, that actually was the impetus to start coaching education in Oklahoma yes. because there was almost no uh, training required. Sure. And, and that horrified me to think of all of the, you know, thousands and thousands of, of right. kids in schools who, <clears throat> who are being taught by coaches who have no training. Sure. And I spoke with um, a gentleman named Wayne Moss, who is the executive director of the NAYS National Association of Youth Sports. Yep. And, and he, he said about 90% of coaches have no formal training. Yep. And of those 10% that do, the vast majority, it is on the X's and O's of the sport. Correct. Yeah, and, and, I, and that's where I feel like we missed the boat in the, in the coaching realm is just that uh, con continuing professional development, that continual improvement, just like we ask for from our student athletes. Yeah. You know, I think we need to expect that from our coaches also. So as athletic directors, maybe share some thoughts that you feel like athletic directors would benefit from when they're looking at instituting some professional development for their coaches outside of, like you said, that 10% are probably getting mm -hmm. some X's and O's. Maybe talk and share some thoughts on what you feel would be some good things for ADs to concentrate on in delivering that professional development model. Yeah. First thing I think is important is who pays for it. Right. And, and oftentimes we expect the coach who's maybe getting a, a small stipend or the volunteer coach who may be getting nothing and is actually spending money to be a coach. Right. You're then asking them, hey, you need to go spend your hundred dollars on this this clinic or, yep. you know, go to this conference and spend hundreds of dollars. Sure. Oh, who's paying for that? And if, if the school system or the sports club team or the athletic program isn't willing to step up and help 
then are you really supporting professional development? Right. Yep. You're you're making it a job requirement uh, where it's taken out of their salary. Sure. If you're doing that, then you're discouraging coaches from getting professional development because sure. they're having to pay for it. Yep. But in, in terms of what professional development is needed, this is a big one because we have sure. so many different sports, so many different yep. levels. The, the key thing that I'm consistently hearing uh, across coaches, across all levels is a lack of mentorship. And, and just having that voice that is external to the school system or the, the club team or the athletic director where they can share how things are going, what they're struggling with, what, are my, what is my career path, how do I deal with this situation. I, I got a phone call out of the blue from an assistant coach sure. in a, a D1 college program yesterday. Yeah. Never, met, never met this coach. Sure. I, I just, I need to talk to somebody Yeah. and, and somebody mentioned your name and I yeah. just want to have a conversation because guess what? I don't have anything at stake in your program. Right. Is, is she going to go to the head coach and say, Hey, I've got these problems X, Y, and Z. Sure. No. Right. Are they going to go to the athletic director? No. Right. Uh, because now uh, all of a sudden Scott is a liability. Sure. Well, I don't know. He seems he seems emotionally unstable, or <laughs> right. you, you, you know. I hear that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that there is that that risk of staying internal. Yep. You you have. I, don't get me wrong. Internal mentorship programs are great. They're right. valuable, but so are external. Yes. And, and if a coach comes and says, you know, I feel like I'm stressed out and I'm I'm going to burn out. Right. No, no head coach or no athletic director wants to hear that from their coach. Right. And so it's important to have that, that person outside sure. who has that unbiased perspective of, okay, Hey, have you thought about these, these ways to reduce sure. your stress? Or yeah. have you had this conversation with this coach about this topic? Right. Those are the areas where I think coaches are, are lacking when support. Sure. Yep. And, and I think it could be really valuable if, uh, if athletic programs, rather than the coach necessarily said, you know what, we're going to hire somebody or contract with somebody yeah. to, to work with our team, to work with our coaches in a way that builds them up in a, in a way where what they say and do doesn't affect whether they have a job or, right. you know, how we treat them, et cetera. Yeah. I, I like the way that you stated that in, and I think as athletic directors, we need to be a little, probably a little bit more open when coaches, you know, come to us with those type of concerns like, hey, I'm really struggling right now. I don't know what to do. I think that as ADs, we really got to listen to that and, and then provide some feedback and some support when they do come to us with that. And, and so they don't feel like that's yeah. going to affect their, you know, like, oh, we're like, oh, well, you can't have this person around or, you know, oh, they're worn out. We need to find somebody else. Cause that's, we gotta, we gotta value our coaches feelings. Um, cause it is a stressful position to have all those Very. kids in your programs. And, and as you know, sport is, you know, uh, very, you know, it's a stressful people expect yeah. you to win, whether you have the talent to win or not, everybody feels like their kid is, you know, the best in the world in, in some cases. And how do we, help our coaches kind of deal with that, that sometimes unrealistic, unrealistic expectation 
that we do put on some of our coaches. So I, I really appreciated your, your comment there. Well, let me, let me put it in the, your perspective. If you're, if you're stressed and feel like you just, you're up to here, right. are you, are you comfortable going to your boss and telling your boss that? Yeah. And, and for most of us, we'd think twice. Sometimes yes. And sometimes no. Right. We think twice. <laughs> right. And, and then if you do, does your boss have anything in place to help you? Right. Because chances are they, they don't have the training to, yeah. to support you or, or provide right. you with, with help. That's where I think organizations, yeah, coaches can do it individually, sure. but organizations, what a, what a recruiting tool for a coach to know that if they oh, come yeah. into your program, they're going to get some external support yeah. free of charge. Right. Now that's a, why well, yeah, I want to go there because I'm going to get some help right. as opposed to it's all on me. Right. And I, I think organizations outside of sports are doing this. Yeah. Right? At, at FSU, we have access to support people in times of need. Yeah. And it's available free of charge for us. Yeah. Well, if, if, if business organizations are doing this because they know that the welfare of their employees affects yeah. their bottom line, which is success. Yeah. Why aren't sports organizations thinking about it as well? Yes, I completely agree. And I think that we see more and more of that. And, you know, as an athletic director, and I know our ADs out there listening are, are like, it's hard to keep coaches in the profession because yeah. it's such high stakes high intensity level um, and they're burning out and quickly. I mean, and I know ADs are, are trying to find coaches all the time. And you spoke about a little bit at the beginning is they're just trying to find a warm body to put out there because they can't find that transformational coach who has mm -hmm. the, you know, the know-how has the X's and O's has the, you know, the motivation and then also has that transformational purpose and can go out and really do what we need them to do just like our teachers do in the classroom, you know, we need to have that same type of support for our coaches also. So I, I really do appreciate your, your thoughts on that. It's a little ironic that athletic directors are looking for a transformational coach, but expect transactional outcomes. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that has to be a reflection on the AD to say, yeah. what am I really looking for? Sure. Because let's face it, 50% of teams are under 500 each year. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not everybody is going to be above 500. Not everybody's going to win state titles or, or, yep. or NCAA titles. What are you really looking for? And, right. and what are your values yes. as a, as an athletic director? And I, and I think, you know, and I've spoke about this before too. It's so important that as athletic directors, we have, a clear mission and vision. So we want to make sure our hiring practices, our evaluation process, and our PD are all linked together so that we are, you know, living and breathing what our values really are. So again, I, I appreciate that your comments on that too, because I, I feel like that's so important because I know that we're pulling things from all these different directions and there's really a lot of times not any cohesiveness to what we expect what we're looking for and and what we're providing SPD for our coaches so I I really have seen in my career how important that is to 
to bring those together so that you're getting the right person for your program and you're bringing in that transformational you know purpose along with the coach and you know for me it's always been about that the wins and losses um you know those come and go and i know that's super important to people but at the end of the day um i feel as athletic directors and coaches it really needs to be about developing young people and making sure they're getting a good experience now of course everybody wants to win a state championship sure. everybody wants the medals mm -hmm. but at the end of the day what skills are we teaching those kids through the participation in athletics and activities that they'll be able to use for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I agree. All right, next question. So, you know, obviously you've, you've been all over the place, you've instituted and implemented a lot of great programs. What do you feel like throughout your career you've done really well and what are maybe you most proud of? I don't, it's a hard question to answer. Sure. Um, one of the things that I'm not necessarily proud of because that assumes that I take all the credit. Sure. But right. but one of the things that that I'm excited about is what we're building here at FSU. Right. It, you know, I I started as a teacher. Right. That was early days. I was a teacher and yeah. and and moved from teaching into teaching teachers. Right. And then into teaching coaches. And, right. and now that's what we do. Yeah. One thing that really excites me about FSU coach is that we're not just running academic programs. Sure. Right. We've got a four, four, four class online graduate certificate. We got a 10 yeah. class online masters. Those are important. And, sure. and people are signing up for those because yep. they recognize the value. Right. However, that tends to be a, a, from a university perspective, an income-driven effort. Sure. We want students in our programs because we get student dollars. Yep. And that keeps the lights on. And from a university perspective, that's that's what we want. But universities should be more than that, right? We are we are pillars of education. We yep. are pillars of a community. We have a responsibility, I believe, to to contribute beyond that. And and in many universities, FSU being one of them. We do research. We 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 get grants and we do we discover new new knowledge and we're doing that. But I I really have enjoyed the 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 opportunity to support sports organizations out in the community in the U.S. Right. And and hopefully internationally one day yeah. with with providing them with with better knowledge and better resources so that they can be more effective. Yeah. And I think that's one of the 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 challenges for faculty is yes we need to do service but it is a minuscule component of our job right in this center it's a significant component of my job yeah, and awesome. and that allows me to you know do a podcast with you right yeah because that's part of my mission right as opposed to i'm sorry i've got to go do x y and z grade x y and z papers <laughs> or or, right. it, you know, go do this research study. I'm too busy. Right. right. Uh, so, so it's really part of our mission. And yeah. to be able to do this and just share with others and support others, yeah. it, it's a, it means a lot to me. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah, I mean, it's just a, what, a, what an awesome opportunity. And, again, like you said, what a huge impact you can have on so many 
by affecting coaches and how many people coaches affect and then having that ability to to pass on that knowledge and those resources that's that's awesome that's like a a really cool opportunity i I would add as well you know why do we do what we do right Right. why do we why why are we an athletic director an athletic director why are we a coach why are we a professor and you know without trying to blow my own trumpet i've published a lot i've written a lot i've presented a lot i got books and right. you know 100 and whatever yeah. articles published and right. it, those are great and i'm glad people use them and read yeah. them and and get value from them sure but two weeks ago i got a facebook message from somebody i taught over 10 years ago yeah and i haven't heard from them since right literally left my class and that was the end of it sure. 10 years later they send me a facebook message you may not remember me I do, by the way, but right. <laughs> you may not remember me, right. but, but I'm about to graduate um, uh, my medical residency with, with my oh, MD. Awesome. Yeah. And I don't remember specifically what you told me, but I remember in class one day, you called me out for not, not pushing myself hard enough. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that. Yeah. I, that's why we do what we do right yeah you're completely right you know all of the accolades all of the success are great but that that message means way more to me than all the other stuff yeah i i completely agree i just i just had a facebook post come up and i had one of my former student athletes he was just an awesome young man um uh i had him come speak at our senior awards breakfast one year and this is probably about four or five years ago and in my my memory just popped up and it just made me think about, you know, why I do what I do and my reason why I do what I do. It's because I had the opportunity to work with some awesome young people who go out in the world and make a difference. And I think that's, you know, the, the mission that you have, which is, was awesome. It's, it's always nice to talk to like-minded people who are really trying to go out and make a difference. And, and I think athletics is a, and activities is a great platform to make some really positive change in our, in our society, in our world. So absolutely appreciate that. So conversely, now, what are some things you're focusing on to be better at right now? What are some things that you really want to, to, in, you know, hone in on and really improve? Yeah. The, the mentorship thing is, is something that is a, is something that I've begun to realize over the last year, maybe two years, COVID sure. yeah. certainly, uh, created pause for a lot of coaches sure. to reflect on where they are and what they're doing. I, uh, for the last several years, have been coaching athletes remotely in areas yeah. of all sports, in areas where they don't have the knowledge from their coaches. We have, a, as I alluded to, we got a lot of coaches out there coaching, but don't have the knowledge to really help the athlete be their best. Right. And, and the last probably six months or so, it's been a a realization for me that while I can help athletes, it's the coaches that I really need to be supporting. And that's an area that I, I want to develop. Where can I, where can I help coaches on an individual basis? Where can I support them um, in environments like this where, you know, I don't have to be down the street. I can still support you where you are doing right. what you're doing. Yeah. That's, that's an area that of, of growth for me sure. because a lot of times my, my, my job is in front of large groups of people. Right. right? 
large groups of students. Yeah. And it, it's not the one-on-one relationships where we spend right. a year right. going through the, the successes and challenges that, are, that accompany being a coach in, of, of athletes. Uh, so I can't claim I'm an expert in no, mentorship. Right. But right. that is an area that I really want to pursue and be able to help uh, coaches. Yeah, and and I, I I would say that for athletic directors too, you know, having a mentor, you know, throughout my career, I had a lot of people that helped me um, through those good times and bad, um, mm-hmm. and helped me grow and put me in situations, you know, at times in my career where I had to, you know, get better at some some things and had some people that, you know, pulled me along. So. I feel like, and we talk about this in our podcast all the time, is that the importance of finding a good mentor, finding some people alongside of you to kind of move through it, but then also, you know, helping others, you know, that maybe just started out as a coach or just started out as an athletic director and how important that is to, you know, staying in this, you know, I feel like high burnout, you know, uh, environment. Yeah. So I think, you know, to your credit, I, I appreciate everything you're doing um, through the Florida State program to, to help coaches do that. And, and hopefully that will help, you know, us keep some of those great coaches yeah. who are out there who get out because they just get burned out and they're just, it just takes everything from them. And so hopefully we can kind of give our coaches that freedom and that feeling like they're supported and we can keep them in, you know, and doing great things for kids. Yeah. The average, uh, it may have changed since I last saw it, but the average um, lifespan, career span of a of a teacher is three years. Yeah, and and the, I'm guessing that it is very similar for coaches. Yeah, athletic directors too. That's kind of the same statistic. It's about you know two to three years is for ads that they stay in and then they're out. So and you find. You find those successful coaches who've been in it 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Chances are they don't need the mentorship as much as the ones who just got hired. Right. And and again, is that just got hired coach going to come to Scott Garvis and say, Hey, I need help. I'm I'm floundering here. Right. Chances are they're worried about their job right. and whether they'll keep their job. That's where they need the, you know what? Here's this resource. It's yep. part of your first year. It's expected that you communicate with this person and, and just, just talk to them. Yeah. And, and I've, I'm starting to do that. I work with a few coaches now privately who yeah. literally I am a sounding board. Right. Tell me your problems. Yep. Sometimes I can't do anything. Sometimes yep. I have some suggestions that may help. And, and I think that's those young coaches, those ones coming through, um, you know, many of them aren't getting their masters in coaching before they sure. go full time. Yep, they're looking for something for some help, and yeah. and I think that's that's a big gap. Yeah, and I I loved your suggestion about having that outside resource so that they there's a, a comfort level there too, so that they can share some things that they might not share with another coach, um, but still feel like they can have some support. So I really do like that. Um, now, when I was at the last couple of that we instituted the 3D coaching model with that transformational purpose statement. Mm-hmm. And I found that that to be very valuable that we're having conversations with our veteran coaches and our young coaches 
Um, but still having that piece of that outside resource, I think, you know, as you talk through that, I really see some, a lot of value in that. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Sure. So uh, you've talked with great coaches and administrators and leaders from across the country through your FSU coach podcast. Mm -hmm. What are some, you know, characteristics that you have seen the most successful and influential leaders have in common? It's, it's a hard question to answer because they all come from all different walks of life. Sure. And, but let me, let me give it a shot. Sure. I've, I've already mentioned the mentorship. That one's huge. Yes. Networking is also huge. Yes. Let me, let me clarify networking because okay. there is a distinction between acquaintances and contacts sure. and relationships. Right. Acquaintances are people you have in your phone, right. right? Oh, I've got coach X, Y, and Z number, uh, right. their phone. Great. You've got their phone number. Right. They don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the contacts are those ones where, oh, you're looking for a job. I know somebody in this school or this college. You, I'll give them a heads up that you're applying. Then you've got those, those relationship ones that are more of a, oh, uh, yeah, we catch up every month or every right. three months or after the season and just have a chat. Yeah. The networking, if you don't have those, those relationship ones, the networking yeah. eh, can be useful, but, but it's not going to make that much of a difference. So if you as a, a coach or even an AD, whoever you are, yeah. if you're going to a conference and, and you're not starting from, from contacts to relationships, mm -hmm. why are you going to these, these right. clinics, these conferences, other than to go to the sessions and hopefully learn something? Right. And I'll say that having been to the last one I went to, most of those coaches weren't going to the sessions. Sure. And that's, that's, a, that's a ding on the profession. Yes. Most of them were skipping out and going to another stuff. I'm right. not going to go down there. We'll, we'll, right. Right. we'll take a timeout on that right. one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's great that you have, it's great that you have um, those names in your phone number, but sure. if they're not relationships, it's not building, yeah. it will lead to very little. Right. Uh, so I, I also had an AD come and speak to my class once uh, when I held classes in person yeah. and they said, it's, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And so AD left. I asked my class, you know, what did you learn from this talk? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And I said, what do you think about that? Oh, yes, yeah, genius. I said, what if he's wrong? Yeah. What? Statistics, statistics would show that that is not an accurate statement. Uh, of course he's right. You know, I, yeah, I got my friend, you know, my dad's right. a coach at XYZ. He promised me a job at X. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's just back off. He said, it's, what, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. I said, why not say it's, it's what you know and who you know? Yes. Yeah. Because you may know the right people and you may get that job and it may be discovered that you don't know anything. <laughs> right. And then word gets around real quickly. Yeah. Of who they know. Right. And they're going to tell who they know that what you don't know. Right. Yes. Therefore, it is a combination of, yes, networking is huge. It, right. it makes a big difference. However, you need to know your content. 
Yes. You need to know what you're talking about. Yes. Both of those combined make you a very effective at what you do. Yes. And that that comes through as well. The coaches, the the owners, the the athletic directors that I interview on this this show, they know what they're talking about. I'm not interviewing people who are unsuccessful. Right. And it becomes very evident that they know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. This is this is why coaches must be constantly continuing to develop. I mentioned yeah. that show I'm watching, right? Yeah. I would not choose to watch that show. It is a soap opera of teenage yeah. angst amidst <laughs> right. football. Right. But every few minutes, I get a splash of coach that I get to watch. Right. I'm learning from that. Right. What are they doing that I like? What are they not doing? How do yes. they run their program? Sure. How would I run it differently? Right. This is my professional development in some yeah. way. Yeah. I, you know, there's plenty of other shows I'd rather watch, <laughs> right. but this yes. allows me to learn something yeah. to be better at my job. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I do a monthly newsletter where we break yeah. down a research article into, into a practical, what does this mean and how do we apply it? Sure. That's professional development. If you're, yeah. If you're reading that, you're learning something new. Yeah. And it professional development doesn't have to be, I have to go to a clinic. Right. My only caveat to that is you should get it from a reliable source too. Yes, correct. You know, there are many books, there are many documentaries, there are yeah. things like what we produce that will add value to your to your knowledge, maybe not on a resume but to your knowledge that makes you better at what you do so that when you do have that connection that where it does fall into place, sure. they go, wow, Scott's really good. I'm glad right. we hired him. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to where did he come from? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. right. Who, who hired him? Yeah. Why, why who, did we who hire recommended him? Yeah. Uh, where was, what was references say? Right. You don't want that. No. Um, and, and so if you don't have that, that fundamental knowledge and skills where you you have that growth mindset of, I'm just going to keep getting better. Right. I, I don't, my position here at FSU does not require me to keep getting better. Right. I, I have my title. I have my job. I'm, yep. I can put my feet up. That's not who I am. How do I get better for my students? How do I get right. better for the, the coaches I work with privately, et cetera, et cetera. That's that keep pushing, keep learning. Yeah. Keep, keep testing myself just that continual improvement and 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 i think you, you you alluded to it already but just those are the people who become successful as coaches as professors as athletic directors those people that continue to go out you know even if they've been doing it for 20 30 years still going out and trying to find you know different people that can pull a different perspective from and learn and grow from all those different experiences whether it's through like you said watching a tv show whether it's reading an article whether it's writing an article, whether it's mm -hmm. writing a book, all those things, um, whether it's preparing for a presentation. I've learned so many things by, you know, preparing for presentations that I didn't mm -hmm. know before that I always find value in or learning from others that I have had the opportunity to come across and that, and that networking and learning from others um, that has been invaluable to me throughout my career. So yeah, we have uh, something in the region of 125 interviews on our YouTube channel now, and they're growing, yeah. right? You're going to be a guest in a few weeks. Yeah. I've got a guest almost, uh, almost every week through Christmas. Sure. Um, 
there's so much knowledge in there. And at the end of every show, I always ask the guest, if somebody has a question for you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yes. They give us their information. Yeah. And I look at that and go, wow, what a resource. Yeah. What a resource for somebody to, you know, I'm interested in, I, I want to be a coach in the NBA. Okay. Yeah. Well, we interviewed NBA coaches Yeah. and they gave out their email address. Right. So what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Right. Take this from a contact uh, or an acquaintance to a contact to maybe one day a relationship, relationship. Yeah. where yeah. one of, one of our students is now interning with the NFL uh-huh. because he developed a relationship with one of the, the interviewees on our show. That's awesome. It, you, it can, it, it can happen. Yeah. And many of my relationships I met at a conference or clinic where I came up and said, I really enjoyed your presentation. I have a couple questions about it. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Oh, let's stay in touch. You yeah. know what? Let's stay in touch every couple of months. I'll give you a call. See how you're right. doing, what, you, what you're working on. And then down the road, we do projects together or yeah. maybe they're a reference for a job that I'm applying yes. for. Yeah. It is, it takes work. Yes, it does. It takes work, yeah. but the opportunities are there to, yeah. if many people I've worked with, athletes or coaches, whatever, what do you want to be? I want to be a number one player in the world. Right. I want to be an athletic director in, in a D1 school. Right. I want to be, you know, I want to make it to, to the NFL. Oh, oh yeah. great. Nothing wrong with, with dream goals. Right. How are you going to get there? Right. Do you have the plan in place to get there? Do you have the drive right. to do the dirty work <laughs> behind the scenes where you have yep. to do the small things yeah. to make you that little bit better than someone else? Yes. Because, yeah, um, I mean, you know, as an AD hiring coaches, you'll often get ap- many, many applicants. Yeah. What makes that one applicant better than all the other applicants? And I, and I tell students who've you know i'm applying for x y and z coaching job great why is your cv better than anybody else's Mm -hmm. because ultimately they're going to look at it initially they're probably going to pull out three to five cvs and say we want to talk to these people yep so why would they throw why would they pull yours out versus throw it in the trash sure what are you doing to make that where they go whoa we got to talk to this person right versus where's the rest of it right and if if you're not doing things, whether it be professional development or experiences, et cetera, yeah. to make that resume something where they go, whoa, we got to talk to this person. Right. You don't have a chance. Yeah. Once you get that interview, it becomes about you. Right. And you're fit. And do they like you? And do you like them? Right. But to get that interview, it is all what's on that paper. Yep. And, and if you don't have much on that paper. Right. I mean, People who have applied for jobs that I hire. Yeah. Where's the rest of it? I don't know. I don't want to talk to them and find out. We'll move on. Yeah. Yeah. There's that's a great point. Yeah. That's great. So last question for you. Um, if you could go back and talk to a, a young Dr. Timothy Baghurst, what advice would you tell him knowing that you've gone through this great career, you've made all these, you know, great impact. What would you tell yourself? 20 years ago. I think all of us have made a lot of mistakes or what we would perceive as mistakes in our decision-making and and how things worked out. Um, 
you know, I have, I have five, five degrees. Mm-hmm. I don't think in hindsight, I would have ever decided to do five degrees. I mean, right. what was I thinking? This, right. this is how my life worked out and yeah. it is what it is. And in many ways, it's made me better at what I do. Sure. When, when I, I was a first generation uh, college student, yeah. uh, I told my parents I wanted to go to college. They pretty much said, what's that? <laughs> right. um, you know, and what are you, well, what are you going to study? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I had nobody who advised me what to study. Sure. And so it was in many ways, my career has been almost accidental. Right. It, 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 I didn't have that plan. Sure because I didn't have that ad- advisor when I was younger. Yeah. And so for young coaches, ADs, whoever, having that, I can't stress enough, having that mentor to just say, hey, have yeah. you thought about this? Or here's what I know about this. Right. Will make such a difference. Um, right. I'll, I'll give an example of a, an athlete, high school athlete looking at colleges, right? And how they, how they get recruited and get scholarship offers and so on. If, if my kids were super athletically talented and, and had opportunities for athletic scholarships, I don't know how to handle all that. Sure. Deal with the coaches and the ADs and all the scrutiny with the media and things. No, I'm going to go find an organization or somebody who does that and, and ask for help. Right. We need to, and this goes to my second point, which is we need to be willing to ask for help. Yeah. A lot of us think we figured it out. Yeah. I thought I knew it all right when I was 20, 25, whatever. Yeah. I got, I've got the world figured out. I know everything. And now I realize how little I still know. Right. I know. So don't be afraid to ask for help and say, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. What organization should I be part of? How do I handle this situation? There's, there's strength in recognizing your limitations. Yes. And, and most of us are very proud and don't want to, to recognize those. And um, we, we talked about stress and being, you know, will you, at, will you tell your boss, boss that you're stressed out and about right. to fold? I did that this year. Yeah. Back in January when COVID was kind of kicking yeah. up again and, and yeah. there was a lot of stuff going on in my job yeah. where I had a Zoom with my boss because, you know, we're not meeting on, in person right. where I said, I am, I am doggy paddling right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and at some point, if I don't find something to hold on to, I'm going to drown. Right. And that took, I didn't want to tell him. Right. It took a lot for me to tell him that. Yeah, but I had to, I had to to kind of share that and be willing to be vulnerable to say yeah. I I need help here, right? Even if it's just you taking a load off of this project or whatever right. it is, yeah, that will help, and I'll get through this. Yeah. Um, so we we need to be willing to say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. Um, I look back, my trajectory would have been very very different. Yeah. If I had known, for example, how to conduct myself in an interview. Sure. I went and interviewed for a PhD program. I don't know. I've lost count now. 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. 20 years ago, I yeah. interviewed for a PhD program. And, and I went and I interviewed and I met the faculty. And they said, so what do you know about our research? What? Yeah. What do you know about our research and how you're going to fit in? 
I hadn't done my research on what they researched. Right. And I felt like a complete idiot. And guess what? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't get the, the assistantship and the PhD position right. yeah. and I didn't deserve to. Right. But I'd never had anybody say, Hey, when you go to this interview, they're going to ask you these kinds of questions and here's <laughs> right. how you do your homework. Right. And had that happened, we're, we're talking about a completely different right. career probably. Yeah. We have to recognize that, that mentorship is important and yes. we also have to be willing to, to put our hands up and say, I need help. Yep. I always tell everybody I'm smart enough to know I'm stupid. <laughs> and, I'm not going to comment on that. Right, right. So I always, uh, I think you're right though. Sometimes it's hard, especially as a coach and in the sport industry in general to, to show that vulnerability and say, I need help. It's a dog eat dog world, Scott. Yeah. I yeah. mean, let's let's be blunt. And yeah, I had um, a D1 women's basketball coach, um, Joanne McCalley, came on my yeah. show and and talked about being diagnosed with being diagnosed with bipolar in her yeah. mid twenties as a yeah. coach. Oh wow! And as she went on to coach at, I think she was Michigan State and then Duke for over a decade. Wow. And she she talked about being scared to tell anybody. Yeah. Because if people know I have bipolar, well, they're a liability. Right. I don't know if we should hire yeah. them. Right. And so she she hit it, yeah. which means how many more of us have issues that if people know it's very manageable, we can right. actually get better through it versus I'm going to cover this up and hide it because I'm, I fear that it may affect my career or how right. people view me, et cetera. It, sure. is, it is a... It is a hard thing to do as coaches where we are taught to be tough and strong-willed yes. and yep. never back down and right. all this stuff, win at all costs. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Well, Dr. Baggers, thank you so much for being with us. This was an awesome conversation, and I look forward to being on your podcast in November. And uh, I, and I love the fact that you just said that to share your information. So would you share some of your, of your contact information with our listeners so they can Abs- get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my email is just tbaghurst, first initial, last name, at fsu.edu. You can reach me that way. Uh, at Baghurst is, is Twitter handle. And, of course, FSU Coach. We do the monthly newsletter. Uh, if you go on our website, if you, just, if you Google FSU Coach, you're going to probably get a lot of athletic coaches popping up. Sure. But if you look for FSU coach math masters or athletic yes. coaching, it will, it will come up. Uh, we, you can subscribe to the monthly newsletter through there. And of course our YouTube channel is FSU coach and you'll, you'll be on there in a yes. few weeks. And, awesome. and of yeah, course, everybody who it. we've, everybody who we've interviewed is on there as well. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Baghurst again. We appreciate this a great conversation. Um, and I think uh, you know, coaches and athletic directors. Um, I think you had some great takeaways for us today. And listeners, we appreciate you. We appreciate everything you do. And as we always say, please reach out to us if you need anything. Todd, Aaron, or myself are here to help our athletic directors. And we want to provide that support and the resources like Dr. Baghurst talked in our podcast today. So please reach out to us. And as always, as Mr. Gordon says, be blessed. Thank you for listening.